Hello and welcome to a new podcast on the In The Money Media Network. This is Baby Talk. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornital. The content on this show may seem familiar. We used to do a show with this co-host called the In The Ring Pedigree Podcast. That has more than ably been taken over and developed by Acacia Courtney. But Acacia, while she's covering the breeding and sales part of the industry and certainly will be touching on two-year-olds and two-year-old racing, we wanted another format to dive deeper into that. Our friends at Gainsway Farm have been kind enough to sponsor it. And with that in mind, we will bring in from Gainsway a man that you're probably familiar with from the fine work he's done on this network in the past, Sean Tugel. Sean, how are things? Doing great, Pete. Uh, it was great to uh, see you down here at Keeneland in the spring. And, and uh, now that uh, life's getting back to a little bit of normal and, and we're all able to go to the races, we'll certainly see uh, more of each other. And uh, I, too bad I didn't get to join you for your Peter Luger uh, steak fest there uh, Friday before Belmont, but uh, I'm sure you you had a good time. And, uh, and I'm just I'm excited for uh, to be able to join the In the Money Empire here again. And uh, I think we got a really fun, neat show that uh, will bring a lot of people a lot of fun over the uh, summertime. We're taking turns big timing each other, essentially. At Keeneland, I, I was deep in conversation and couldn't make time for you. And then you uh, paid me back by blowing me off for dinner. So now we're ready to hang out proper. <laughs> yeah, I, I had a, a tasty dinner in Manhattan that night. Sorry. <laughs> not bad. Not bad. It's not, it's not great, Nick, but it's not bad. No. Let's talk about the Belmont Stakes. What a place yeah. to start. And, you know, you, you won't, people won't believe that we didn't uh, coordinate our headgear on this show representative of the Belmont Stakes Exacta with Tappet uh, once again uh, proving what a great sire he is with essential quality, getting the W, and then you uh, representing Hot Rod Charlie, who, of course, gains way part owners of. Uh, what were your thoughts on this race? Um, well, you know, having been about five days since the race, the, the sting of, of not winning as an owner, but, uh, but winning as a very proud, uh, stallion, uh, manager and, and stallion, uh, farm, um, has, has, has sunk in. And, and I don't think I can watch the replay anymore because still every time we hit the eighth ball, I'm like, we got a chance. And then we end up losing by a length in the quarter, but, uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, certainly the accolades of Tappet can't be, uh, expressed anymore um you know having sired now his fourth belmont stakes winner in essential quality and arguably possibly his uh his best son you know frosted won the met miles an older horse and, and really carried on uh, a three-year campaign there but uh you know essential quality being his champion two-year-old from last year was undefeated going into the derby this year um you know showed that that championship grit and and that will to win that um you know, Tappet has, has given now to four Belmont Stakes winners. And not only that, but I was reading, you know, you read all the articles afterwards and all the near misses too. I'd forgotten about how close Tacitus was, even though I needed him for the pick five that day. Uh, you know, Hofberg hitting hitting there. Lonnie was third. Uh, you know, Frosted was second to American Pharaoh in his triple crown year. So he sired four, but, but uh, you know, he had a lot of close calls to expand that record and, and wouldn't be surprised if uh, he – pads the the numbers again over the next several years 
What a tremendous uh, career he's had so far. I love that cool historical footnote of the Breeders' Cup juvenile exacta also being the Belmont exacta. And make no mistake, I mean, for me, Tappet was very unlucky not to have sired a, a derby winner this year as well. I still think he was best in the derby when when trips are, are taken into consideration. No offense to Hot Rod Charlie, though. I don't, I don't want to get you in fighting mode. No, absolutely not. <laughs> Proud of both horses. They both show up every time and uh... – I'm, I'm excited. They're starting to call them a rivalry now. So uh, we'll see what the rest of the year takes on. And that'd be just a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, that's what we're in the game for, to show up to the biggest races and uh, have a chance to win them. For me, it was one of these Belmonts I'm going to remember, like I remember Curlin and, and Rags to Riches being down there at the rail and watching them fight tooth and nail. And absolutely, in the modern game, this isn't Thoroughbreds running uh, every three weeks anymore. I mean, to mm -hmm. have already three memorable clashes in the books and a summer ahead of us, this absolutely is an enticing rivalry. What do you think the chances are that we might see them face off in a race like the Travers? Well, I mean, certainly both Brad Cox and, and Doug O'Neill, uh, they're, they're great trainers. They're smart trainers. They're going to let the horses uh, pick the spots for them. Uh, certainly the Travers, the Haskell, uh, even Doug has mentioned the Pacific Classic as possible options for Hot Rod Charlie. Um, essential quality, certainly. Uh, <laughs> That's okay. We, 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 let the, we, let that, we let that slide. That's nothing compared to some of the stuff Kinchin has done on these airwaves. <laughs> so uh, certainly essential quality, uh, you know, the Haskell's an option for him as well. He's got the stable mate, Mandaloon, who's supposed to show up in the Pegasus this weekend, which is uh, a prep for the uh, Haskell as well. So you have the Jim Dandy. Uh, lots of great options. Uh, a lot of exciting options. They are the uh, the best races for three-year-old Colts remaining for the year. So, I'll, I'll, you know, but if they show up in the Midsummer Derby and, and uh, they're in top form like they were here last week, uh, we'll, we'll be in for a treat. Now, that Pacific Classic plan for Hot Rod Charlie makes all the sense in the world, I think, except for the fact that it would delay the, the next meeting between Hot Rod Charlie and Essential Quality potentially out to the Breeders' Cup, I'd imagine. So as a fan... I'm hoping they come, they slash you come to Saratoga, yeah. but we'll see what happens. There's no wrong answers, right? No. Um, so we're going to talk a lot about two-year-olds on this show. This is going to be a little bit different. The way I'm envisioning it is throughout the year, we're going to have a few of these, what we might call tentpole shows, where we catch up about everything going on, maybe talk about some of the biggest races, etc. I think we're going to have other shows that are lean and mean 10 minutes we maybe talk about a specific race or two, do a deep dive, go into detail on those like we used to do over on In the Ring, and then maybe look at some freshman and sophomore sire ratings, and that's the show. But it is going to be a little bit different, and, and we're going to be nimble about this. I think, for me, that's one of the great things about podcasts and YouTube is all the content doesn't have to come out of a cookie cutter. And we're interested to hear from folks out there. Drop us a comment as to what you want to hear and see on this show. I mean, Sean, don't, I, I wish he wasn't listening because I, I don't like to say nice things about him publicly. But in terms of somebody with knowledge of both the handicapping side of things and the horse business side of things, uh, they don't come much sharper as far as I'm concerned. Oh, I wish he didn't have to hear that. But as a, leaving that aside, let us know, though, which direction you want us to take the, the show down in the YouTube comments. And uh, hopefully we're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to do a deeper dive into the industry and hopefully give out some some winners as well. Any particular goals uh, you have, Sean, for, for Baby Talk over the course of the season? No, it's, it's kind of funny. We've, we've been talking about this show here for, I don't know, it feels like a year now. Uh, and, and, you know, different angles, different this. But, but you know, what the fun thing is about 
our industry is each year you get a new crop of two-year-olds and and from that comes a new champion from that comes a new kentucky derby winner um you know it was exciting this year uh that the breeders cup juvenile produced the one two finishers in the belmont stakes and that and that form and that class has carried on through the triple crown series um but you know each each week we're going to get together and there's going to be some new uh performance that we're going to be excited and giddy about and uh certainly as as the premier meets get going between saratoga and del mar and and, and Ellis Park, where, where the uh, what we would call the uh, the marquee maiden races, uh, start to unveil some some new horses. You know that's that's the the next champions we're all going to be able to witness and, and pick apart performances and, and handicap uh, stakes races. But uh, not only that, but you know the the one angle that I think is really exciting for us and and maybe industry people will find it uh, unique is is kind of paying attention to the freshman sires list and the the. Three, the sophomore sires list, you know, sires that are young and up and coming and, and maybe uh, getting ready to explode uh, in certain ways. And, you know, racing and breeding, they all intertwine. And uh, and it's, it's fun to be able to talk about both of them. You mentioned the freshman sires list. I've just shared on screen from our friends over at the Blood Horse, bloodhorse.com, their rankings. And, of course, we've seen some uh, two-year-old racing already this year. What has stood out the most to you as we look over this list? Um, well, you know, the, the, the leading horse um, that is actually, he actually stood in Europe the first three years and has six winners. Uh, Caravaggio is now standing here at Kumo America this year. Uh, so he's actually our leading uh, freshman sire here uh, in the United States. But then you got to, you know, you, you got the list pulled up right there and, and we get to see the first runners, the gun runner, the first runners of Practical Joke, Connect. Classic Empire Unified has been a horse that has made a lot of uh, noise so far in the sales ranks. Uh, you've got horses like Midnight Storm, who's making some uh, some waves in the sales ranks. But um, but you know those those are horses I remember as as racehorses and and the brilliant performances they had. I think Practical Joke when he won the uh, I don't know if it was still called the uh, King's Bishop when he won it or if it had been renamed the Alan Jurchens at that point, but. Uh, you know, that was when he had cut back from from running in the Haskell and, and the two turn races of the Triple Crown and just, you know, exploded down the lane and, and showed his true brilliance there around one turn. Um, but I, I'm excited to see, you know, his his two year olds. So, um, you know, these young stallions that, that get to to now produce their their offspring are always excited to see who's who might be our next great sires. And, you know, they've gotten off to a good start already. You know, practical joke. We had the uh, Gainesway and Rapoli Stables and St. Elias had. Uh, TD and Rising Star there, the first race today on Belmont Day. Um, and Witt, trained by Hall, you know, soon to be inducted Hall of Famer Todd Pletcher, um, overcome, overcame many uh, obstacles to prevail in that race. So uh, we're very excited about that horse. He's by practical joke. Um, it doesn't look like a horse that, that, that's going to be limited to a, to a one-turn future. So, uh, you know, certainly we're excited uh, ourselves in owning some of these freshman sires, two-year-olds. Yeah, it's a, not a bad position to be in. What, as a horse player, how early is too early to start looking at these numbers and saying, hey, wow, these gunrunner babies mm. seem like they're they're really fast. I'm going to make sure to include all the gunrunners in, in, in my bets. Is, is At what point do you start pivoting and making decisions based on those stats we were just looking at? Well, I mean, I, I don't think it's ever too early uh, to use pedigree as a handicapping tool. But, uh, you know, the one thing I was kind of actually looking at some gun runners the other day and, and 
so far, I think he's had five starters or six starters. Uh, they've all hit the board so far. So, so they're competitive. Uh, he's had two winners. Uh, but the funny enough thing is, is I remember Gunrunner being a horse that could never stand up on an off going, but yet he's now had two winners uh, on off going so far early on. So that's something, uh, you know, whether it means anything or nothing, uh, you know, certainly uh, those are little tidbits that you can kind of store away on your note cards. That's no, very interesting stuff. You mentioned Frosted before, and we, we've talked about uh, Tappet, obviously, uh, and the idea of him uh, as a as a sire of sires mm-hmm. comes to mind. Looking at what what Frosted has been up to this year, curious if you if you have any thoughts on on him or any of his uh, his progeny. I, I guess travel yeah. column uh, comes to mind. Uh, he's a horse as the calendar was turning. Um, definitely stood out. You know, we we bred some mares to him. Um, and, and, you know, you look at, at now the, uh, third crop sire list and the second crop sire list, and they're both led by, uh, sons of Tappet. You have constitution who's leading third crop sire. You have, uh, frost who's leading second crop sire, basically, uh, just behind Patonico, but we'll see what happens with the Derby earnings there. Um, so that, that's very exciting for us to stand Tappet and, and see his sons go on and, and be successful sires. We're going to have tap writ next year. Um, with his first two-year-old. So, so we'll see his first yearlings at the sales this year. So he'll be an exciting horse to follow next year. But uh, I, I think it just makes you proud. It makes uh, his Colts even that more valuable at the sales ring when, uh, you know, these top uh, agents and, and buyers are, are there shopping. He had the, uh, the, the highest price to, uh, yearling last year, Colt, uh, $2 million horse bred by um, Stone Street Farms last year. Uh, Eaton Sales sold him out of the Mayor Terrace Tango brought $2 million. So, um, you know, when you think about spending $2 million on a Colt there as a yearling, if, if he makes it and he can make it into the stud barn, um, you know, he'll be bringing you back well, well north of $2 million in, in revenue and stud fees. So his sons being that, that the ones that have made it to the stud barn so far are successful and, and are elite, uh, stallions, uh, even though they're young, uh, brings his, um, stature even to a higher level. We're going to bring this conversation around, speaking of impressive two-year-old performances, to Wesley Ward and his Armada, who have already uh, arrived in uh, right here in New... Oh, wrong, wrong. <laughs> I'm watching the monitor and pointing to the wrong part of my chest right here in Newmarket. But I wanted to, to ask you, before we pivot to that, if there's been any particular two-year-old performances this year so far that you want to highlight. Again, going forward, I think much of what we're going to be doing is previewing the hot-looking maiden mm-hmm. races and looking back on big performances, looking for those next stars in the game, as it were. I, I was curious if you wanted to shine a light on anything you've seen so far specifically. Yeah, I mean, I, I think two performances that jump out to me off of just maiden victories to this point. Um, certainly our horse, Wit uh, last week at, at Belmont was, was quite impressive, missing the break, checking about a furlong in and then still circling the field uh, and geared down. You don't see that too often uh, in a five-and-a-half furlong race. Um, the I can't remember the name now, but but West Point Thoroughbreds, I think Steve Asmussen trained him. It was a short field, and he scratched out of the stakes race. Uh, last week he was a son of dramedy that that horse ran extremely well at belmont there about three four weeks ago he'd be a horse that uh, you'd be excited to see him come back and then you, you brought up the wesley ward contingent you always see him uh certainly uh, unveil them early uh and and we get to see a lot of them here in the flesh at keeneland during the spring but uh, i think probably the one uh, that, that stuck out most to me is, has actually run twice, which might be an advantage going over to Ascot, having had two runs under her 
about was the uh, the the uh, Philly, the National Defense Philly that he that he ran uh, ran second first time out on the dirt and then came back on the turf and just exploded at Belmont. I'm I'm drawing a blank on on the name right now at the moment. You'll have to help me out on that one. But that's the one that um, you know as as we can talk about all the Wesley contingent that's going over to Ascot. That's the one that really has jumped off the screen. We'll, we'll we'll get there we'll get to all of them um little drama that's the that's mm. the west point horse if i'm if i'm not mistaken that you're yep. re- you're referring to that was so good let's go back to wit for a second just because that performance to me i mean it was really uh eye-popping for for all the reasons you mentioned missing the kick and then winning gear down how often does that happen going going that short what can you tell me about uh, plans for him and just in your gut how far this horse wants to run. I mean, mm-hmm. what, what do we, what do we have on our hands here, Sean? Well, uh, he certainly uh, ran to, to the previous talk. Uh, Alex Solis, our director of bloodstock picked him out uh, off Rosalind Poland last September, uh, bought him for $575,000 with our partners for Pulley Stables, St. Elias. They've had quite a bit of luck uh, recently in, in big races. So it's always good to team up with people who have great luck. And success um you know certainly todd pletcher will we'll see how he how he trains on how he breathes his back but uh you you would expect to probably see him resurface uh at, at saratoga in one of the early stakes races i would think like off, off initial uh you know map and game plan came out of the race really well uh you know is a it's just a beautiful horse he's having a dally doro mare so uh i don't think you'll see any distance limitations um, and certainly the, the end of mischiefs now um, are, are starting to show that they can go around the ground. Uh, him being by a son of uh, end of mischief, practical joke, uh, would think that that should uh, continue over into, into what he sires. So um, as of now, uh, sky's the limit. It's going to be fun to see. I mean, that's, that's kind of amazing speed for that pedigree, isn't it? Yeah, but uh, you know that that speed and 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 will there for from the top side through the end of mischief and and practical joke you have to remember he is out of a distorted humor mare, um, so you get some speed and precocity there. And she was actually fourth in a Grade One as a two year old. It doesn't show up on the pedigree page, but uh, you know it's these little things that you know it's like authentic and 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 this backstory on his dam. Although she looks, uh, you wouldn't ever pick her out uh not knowing her story but but then you know listening to her breeder peter blum and and uh, her trainer bill mott kind of talk about the brilliance that she showed in her very short career um doesn't surprise you that she was able to produce something along the lines like an authentic so uh practical joke had that brilliance uh, and he had that brilliance early as a two-year-old so uh and then carried it on as a three-year-old through the triple crown season and just missed by a nose in the haskell so um I would think being out of Medallia Doromare, he's going to have uh, plenty of ability to uh, to stretch out that speed. Let's talk more about these ward runners and the ones specifically who are going to ask it. Is there a particular performance among the ward crew that's impressed you so far? Yeah, um, certainly the Philly, I was drawing a blank on the name, Twilight Gleaming. Uh, I thought that race that she ran at Belmont was just spectacular. Um, you know, that being her second race, uh, so she did have the one under her belt. She ran second there, but that was a uh, that was a spectacular race. I would think that she has every right to be very competitive over there. Um, I know he's he's quite high on on Golden Bell. Kind of listening to him, owned by uh, Hat Creek Racing, Cheyenne Stables, uh, Gatewood Bell. Uh, he's had plenty of success over there at Ascot. So I would uh, I would expect the the group to have some fun over there and and, and see if she makes any noise. 
Um, and then I think Ruthen, uh, that was a rib chester. I believe he's a first year horse, uh, staying over in Europe. That, that was a pretty, pretty, pretty darn good race there at Keeneland on the 22nd of April. That was on turf. Um, those would probably be the, be the three that, uh, that stick out the most. And certainly, um, you've heard him make some comments about coffee maker. Um, that performance doesn't necessarily stick out to me. I'll have to go back and watch replays, but, uh, certainly seeing Jimmy Creed just get a great one winner sprinting on turf, uh, over the weekend and Casa Creed, uh, gives you a little bit more, uh, confidence maybe in playing a Jimmy Creed over there in Royal Ascot. The, there's an old expression that I'll modify for the purpose of podcasting, which is that uh, good artists borrow, or good podcasters in this case borrow, great podcasters steal. I was fortunate to listen to Nick Luck on our uh, very own uh, In The Money media network, at least distributed here in, in the U.S., and here, Wesley, and give the specific targets for the runners you mentioned, Sean. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll, I'll have some comments, too, which – my general thing with the ward runners there, and I don't have the stats in front of me, but they it really feels like the five furlong races are the ones where he has has the, the absolute best success in. And with that in mind, I feel like there's definitely um, some sort of preference from the team when mm-hmm. they're going to one of those races. The one he's had the most success in, the Queen Mary, that's the one where Twilight Gleaming is meant to show up. And I've seen private figure makers give her numbers that while they don't match the heights of, you know, Lady Aurelia, what she earned before heading over there, they're major league speed figures. I think Twilight Gleaming goes with an absolutely huge chance. And um, I'm eager to call some friends over there and see what's going on with the bookies. Cause I think Twilight Gleaming feels like one who could absolutely steam in, in that spot. Some other ones he mentioned, Ruthen, who was so impressive to me uh, visually at Keeneland, Windsor Castle, another five furlong race. Uh, I know Ruthen and Twilight Gleaming, according to Wesley, worked pretty close to heads up with Twilight Gleaming going just the better. And his thought was to separate them thusly with Twilight Gleaming going to the, the slightly more prestigious target. Not that there are unprestigious targets when you're talking about a meet like uh, like Royal Ascot. Yeah. Um, what do you think of Ruth and were you as impressed by that effort as I was? I was, um, she, she did not disappoint. That's for sure. You know, the other thing to take into account about the ward runners, um, that, you know, as you look at Wesley, you know, over the years and what he's taken in years past and, and now figuring out his routine and, and everything is, is now he's coming in with, with Euro breads. Yeah. Uh, that, that are bred to run there at Royal Ascot. So now he puts the, the ward speed into him and, and into his program. Now he's coming over with, with like pedigrees. Um, so that's something I, I, I think that should be really interesting to see how that plays out. Um, again, both those were picked out overseas, brought here for their early, early uh, starts, and then we'll go back. And, um, you know, he puts that, they, they pop out of the gates pretty quick. And, and sometimes that's the, the winning move over there. So certainly that, that makes sense why the five for long races for him have been a little bit more, uh, winnable uh but but certainly he goes over and fires fires every bullet i know that much it, it takes his he takes his chances here's the other thing that's very much to his uh credit this year that could be a tell the statistics to shut up type of thing when you're when i'm talking about the the, the trouble he's had going longer than five that's the way the ground looks like it's coming because mm-hmm. it looks like we might get proper like usa style ground like we had 
a few years ago over there. And yeah. that could make it a lot easier for these speedy types, especially with that new blood that you described, mm-hmm. to go ahead and and stay the, the six. Another who's running five that I'm really interested in, uh, supposedly running the five of the Norfolk, is Nakatomi. That, that was the one, before we saw what Twilight Gleaming did, and again, looking at some private figure makers, um, Nakatomi was the one I was the most interested in. So I was very happy to see a five, a five furlong target for, for Nakatomi. We also learned on Nick's show that coffee maker would be likely going to the Coventry against the boys and golden bell for the Albany, uh, both the Coventry and the Albany being six furlong races. So I'm sure there'll be a lot more news. If you're an American who's interested in ask it, we're going to have a ton of coverage next week. I'm going to do a show for every day. We're going to have Nick luck on the early week show, uh, giving a recap, not a recap, giving a preview of all five days and what he's most looking forward to. And then of course, you know, you got to be checking out Nick Luck daily. He's going to be absolutely crushing the coverage and he'll be part of, of the NBC coverage of basket as well. If you're an American and you've never followed, um, English racing before, this is a great time to do it. There's going to be tons of coverage and I mean, for me, Sean, I know we got to hang out there a couple of years ago. It's some of the greatest racing in the world, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, it's uh, it's. I was lucky enough uh, to to be able to attend. Lucky enough to have you uh, guide me through through the different uh, areas, and and sing along was was a special thing. <laughs> but, uh, uh, even though we can't carry a tune, but, uh, <laughs> it it was uh, it's it's everything they they describe it to be. It. Uh, you know, it is special. Everyday racing can't be like that. Uh, but it's, uh, you know, how, how many times do you get to, uh, you know, be within feet of, uh, of a monarch coming in on a, on a drawing carriage to ending the day with who knows what the hell we were singing, but it was, uh, it was a great day. It's, it's truly a festival. It's, it's, um, it's, it's a pretty special place. It's not not bad at all. Land of hope and glory. So many of those great, uh, it starts with the, 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 silly pop tunes and then then they get into the the heavy like uber uh there, there uber was certainly English no songs. lee greenwood i know that much <laughs> <laughs> lee greenwood might have gotten you kicked out of there pal but i'm but what i still really want to know sean is who did you mug to get that fancy name tag oh yeah, yeah. take the fifth on that one that's fair absolutely that's fair. i'd like to have the other i'd like to you know you can't give up your sources if you if you want to be able to get the same return so well, I'm, uh, it hurts my heart not to be there this year, but we're going to be watching the whole thing. And we're going to be back soon with another episode of Baby Talk. We'll be next time. I, I'm pretty sure we'll be diving in to some races, doing some handicapping. I can't wait. Uh, Sean Tugel, thank you so much. Any closing thought for the, the viewers and listeners? No, just uh, looking forward to uh, the new show. Looking forward to uh, all these new two-year-olds and uh, looking forward to hearing what people would like to hear us talk about, you know, um, we, we certainly uh, would like to be led by the by the viewers, the listeners, and uh, you know we, we kind of get stuck into what we like and what we like to talk about, but uh, there's a lot to discuss. So uh, happy to go down any road. Drop that in the comments. Holler at me at Looms Boldly on Twitter. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Subscribe to the In the Money media feed on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. For Sean Tugel, for producer Craig. I'm Peter Thomas Fornital. May the hammer drop your way. <laughs>